I'm sexy. You have your moments. I do. And sometimes I don't. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> In this episode of Man vs. Marriage, it's listener email. That's right. You have emailed in, and we are here to help you step outside of the frame. The brilliant concept that Quincy Moran has come up with. Wow, aren't you amazed? I'm sorry, was I supposed to say something there? No, I was waiting on, there was going to be that gap so that I can edit it and say welcome back to another episode, but you have wrecked that, so. Diggity dog in the Moran family studio with my lovely wife and sometimes sexy. You're actually always sexy to me. I guess there could be a small subset of times when you're less sexy than other times, but I'm pretty hot for you all the time, so. That's a good thing. <laughs> it's a very good thing. All right, well, here we go. We're going to get into some listener email. Before we do that, make sure that you yourself utilize the email address. Quincy at mvsmpodcast.com. That is M like man, V like victory, S like super fantastic that Alabama made the playoffs, M like marriage. So mvsmpodcast.com or more simply put, man versus marriage podcast mvsm. Check it out. Go rate, review the show. What? Why are you using the mvsm when you've been giving out Quincy Moran? I don't give that email address out. You've just given it out, but I give out Quincy at MVSMPodcast.com. That's my email address for the show. Okay. But now the world knows my personal email thanks to you. Well, edit. Nah, it's out there. I'm not that hard to find, fortunately and unfortunately. So with that being said, today we have a listener email. Uh, and I've got to say, I am always absolutely jacked no pun intended when you guys decide to email us and ask us for advice tell us your story it takes a lot of courage any of you out there listening you can listen and say oh man that sounds like a good idea maybe i'll try that many of you probably implement it without giving any feedback but i know i've been a listener to a podcast and i have said you know what i've got to do something or i want to reach out or i want to connect and you email whoever's on the other end of the microphone. And so when you do that, you really show me how much courage you have uh, to step outside of your comfort zone and say, hey, this is what is going on, and I want some help. Can you give me some advice? So I commend you for doing that. And this particular Jack today, as we read your email, know that you're a super stud and that I I have a lot of admiration for you being willing to take a step back and look at yourself and get uncomfortable, get into that part of uncertainty and then engage with us so that we can help give you guidance to get farther along in this journey, this path. But enough of me saying a bunch of words. We're going to read this email and by we I mean Jeannie. Usually <laughs> I read it Today, she's going to read it, 
and we are going to discuss the nuances of the of this in an open discussion format, honey. So without further ado, Jack's email, please read it, and I will seek to make some notes. Okay. It says, hi there, just found your podcast a few weeks ago, and I'm up to episode 35 now, which has been really great so far. I have to say, Coach Rita just resonates with me. She is magical in her ability and words. That being said, I'm having trouble defining what I actually want, and obviously, without knowing the what, I cannot get to the why and how. After listening to you guys, I love the idea of having a deep connection with my wife, but I don't know what that looks like in my in real life. I just know I want to change for the better, but I don't know exactly what I am aiming for. I feel like I am floating through the day with no real purpose, and once that was brought up in an episode, I was quite sad with that realization. I figured I would try and reach out to you guys to see if you could help me get on track here. I'm not sure if you guys are still doing email stuff since I am a few years behind on the episodes or even if Rita is still working with you, but I feel like if I didn't at least try and ask for your help, I would just continue to be in this stuck situation. Thanks in advance. Okay, so read my response and then please read his follow-up and then we can we can have some open discussion. Okay. My man, I'm so glad you reached out. I sure appreciate you having the courage to do so. You have my respect. Thank you for your kind words about Coach Rita. She is definitely one of a kind. She had to step away from the podcast, so now so now it's my wife, Jeannie, and I. You'll learn more about her later in the episodes. I sent your email over to Coach Rita, and if she responds, I will surely send the message over. She is Jeannie's aunt, mine too, so we still communicate. You are struggling to find what you want. My first question is, do you know or can you define what you have? I want to push back on what made you sad, as noted below. Flip your perspective. Count it as a major positive that you are aware you want to grow. You are aware you want a deeper connection with your wife. That's an incredibly great thing, my man. Keep in mind, what you were listening to took me 10 years and change to get to that point. I didn't really have a me, and you do. I don't say that in a a prideful manner. I just didn't have someone in my life that recognized he wanted more, made intentional action, and shared it with me. Believe it or not, you are in an an amazing place. To kick it off with a stupid cliche, every journey begins with one step. Without the beginning, you have no journey. Set in for the long haul. Let's start slow and intentional. Welcome, my man. Question one, what do you currently have? scroll through this real quick to find the answers okay um thanks quincy for your reply i appreciate what you and your wife are doing and if not for your podcast i'd still be ghosting through every day without a purpose so thanks for bringing that to light i'm not sure how to actually describe what i have without making it seem demeaning i have a so-so average marriage i guess coming up on 10 years now with a seven going on eight-year-old son that has totally consumed our lives. I get up early to go to work, come home, exercise in my garage, get the kid off the bus, do his homework with him, get dinner going, maybe watch a little TV, head to bed, and rinse and repeat. Definitely not the life I want anymore. Meanwhile, my wife is constantly on her phone or computer, so not much interaction between us except for anything kid-related. So you think that's a a good place to start or should we read some more of the back and forth to get better context or what do you think? Um, I'm asking for you here because I know all the context already. I'm learning it. Let me say that. Well, I'm curious to know what happened, why they put their marriage on the back burner once the kid was born. 
Um, so no offense to anyone particular, but the kid's not the reason the marriage is a mess. You you can't you can't necessarily blame. And it's it's having. He's not kid. saying it's a mess. I though. know. It's, no, I'm I'm saying it, it's you can't necessarily blame having a child on why things are not right or don't feel the same unless you made a purposeful shift to put all of your attention on the child. Now, I don't know. I haven't gone any further into these yet, so I don't know. In our case, we had some kids who had medical situations. Um, I mean, we had triplets. So when our triplets were during the pregnancy, it was all about Hunter and making sure that he got what he needed and making sure that our bills got paid and kind of, you know, we still had our connection, but things were kind of getting off the rails because we, we really didn't know what we were getting into. And so the focus was a lot on the pregnancy and getting ready to have four little people that we were responsible for. When the tri triplets were born, there was no sleep. I mean, we slept in 30-minute intervals where we could. And our connection time was minimal i mean we jokingly say 10 minutes it wasn't a joke at the time it was literally okay everybody's asleep we have 10 minutes because somebody's going to need to eat in 30 so well let's do this and that's really what we had um but we did have date nights once in a while not in the um, beginning not not until we were probably about seven or eight months in but we did still take time to like sit and watch a movie together or things like that at home. It just wasn't, we didn't stay awake much. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say. We tried, but um, we got in the little bits that we could here and there. So I guess, I don't know. I, let, let's go a little further in this because I'm, I'm wondering, I, I got a pretty good idea in my head of what's happening here. But let me, let me scroll through and see what's up. Um, wow, thank you so very much for the encouraging words and appreciation. It means the world to me as I read it. You know what you have doesn't sound demeaning, sounds like your perception of reality, and I appreciate the honesty. Keep in mind, we assess and attach value to things in our life. We can underestimate the power, value, and impact some of these <coughs> mundane or routine parts of life offer both us and our children. Realigning your perspective can greatly impact the sense of purpose you feel, understanding how much you matter as well. So question two would be, what is y'all's story? Like, how did you meet your wife? Why did you marry her? Why did you start a family? What was the picture you had in mind about what this marriage would look like before you got married? That's more than two questions, but I'm just throwing that out there. Um, okay, I'm going somewhere if you'll trust the process. I'll be asking questions, and we will go back and forth as I learn more about you and your situation. Side note, the... What is this? The nose in the phone. Oh, the nose in the phone is a big point of contention between Jeannie and I. I a couple of weeks ago, we did two episodes called "Who Decides When We Have Sex," and it got quite intense. I know you're listening from the beginning. May want to run up the line and check those out. Let's keep this combo moving, my man. Thanks so much for wanting to live on purpose. You're in a great place. I know it doesn't feel that way right now. Save your cuss words for a phone call with me someday. Ha ha. All my best. Okay, so then. Um, that's a big question. I met her at a part-time job when I was 17 years old. I was drawn in by her beauty, and after a few weeks of dating, I was convinced I wanted to marry her. Being how young I was and my parents not being supportive in anything I ever did, I was forced to ask for the ring back 
and told I couldn't see her anymore. I eventually revolted, moved out of my parents' house, and moved in with my at-the-time girlfriend's parents for a few years before I was able to save enough to buy a house. We cohabitated for years until I got to my 30th birthday and realized where did life go. I was afraid of marriage in my 20s since she started saying she wanted kids and I wasn't there. Once 30 came, at that point, I knew if we didn't get married and start a family, it would never happen and she would regret being with me. We definitely had some fun early on and sex was initiated by her frequently, which was awesome. I find myself reminiscing about that a lot. Marriage at the beginning meant for me a new chapter of togetherness, but once my son was born, everything I was used to changed. My wife was now a mom and everything revolved around that. She no longer had time or interest in me. Playfulness and intimacy were gone. Fast forward to today, I suppose I just went numb <clears throat> to emotions and accepted this is my new normal until I came across your podcast. You have opened my eyes and I see that I must change myself within to have a better life. I just don't know how to get the wheels in motion, so to speak. I definitely trust this process. I have a hope for the, for the first time in a long time. I think the next two emails are important, so we'll end up reading most of it. But I think I, I asked for a little more context and some maybe questions. So, and if you think, I mean, if you're just looking at it and you think any of my questions are off base or maybe something's going on, I mean, I'm interested to see what your thoughts are. I don't think it's off base, but I kind of have a, an inkling of what happened underneath I, all of this. I do too. Give, uh, give the next email a read okay. and then probably... Let's just see where it goes until we can get a point to land and help and have a discussion about where it is. Because I believe we probably both see the same thing. This is your first time seeing the email. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. When I think back to the time I met Jeannie, her beauty drew me in as well. I also allowed it to disqualify me in the beginning because I was 320 pounds and couldn't fathom her wanting to be with a guy like me. The more I got to know her, the more I began to admire her about her and her rebel heart she lived out loud and to the beat of her own drum she tried to be tough <clears throat> and i saw right through it i could never live with out loud or ride that rebel train i had to be perfect the version everyone expected we had similar interests and a deep desire to have a family the next words are me thinking out loud and prodding a little and may piss you off a bit not meant to hurt they are meant to look a little deeper a few things that really challenge a marriage disappointment resentment silent expectations unmet expectations so the next words are a self-check not an accusation looking at your story i wonder if your wife has any hidden guilt looks like you left your family behind and maybe had a child out of obligation because the clock was ticking rather than to desire than a desire to expand your family with her. I wonder if you have hidden resentment because having a child has changed your relationship with your wife. Just do a self-check. Now, can you pick four or five things you are thankful for with your life, relationships, or family? How can we use these items to reshape your perspective as we begin this new path? Give me some feedback. Okay, and here is his response. Please don't worry about offending me. I am completely open to any and all ideas, help, suggestions. That's why I reached out. Honestly, I was expecting to hear difficult things so if it will help, I am all ears. Much like you, I was a little intimidated by my wife initially, but I was young and eager to be with her. Looking back, I wanted so much to be caught up in a relationship where I felt wanted and loved, <clears throat> and she provided that and then some. For me, it was intoxicating and an escape from my, my family life. Anyway, back on topic, I'm not sure if she is currently carrying any guilt. I would suspect no, but I couldn't say for sure. I think initially it was an obligation to start a family, but when he was born, I was super happy to have him as a part of our lives. It's been harder now 
that he is older, I really miss those younger years when he was much more innocent and we had more dad and son bonding time. He's like a fiery mini version of my wife now, and daddy time isn't what it used to be. Perhaps there's some hidden resentment there for that reason. I missed coming home and him being at the top of the stairs just excitedly waiting for me, and it always made me feel instantly better no matter how the day went. Sorry, I feel like I keep going off on a tangent here, so five things I'm thankful for. One, my wife. She really is an amazing person and does so much that I take for granted. Two, my son. Even though I wish our relationship was better, I don't regret ever having him born. Three, my job. It allows me to provide for the family without worrying too much about money issues. Four, our health. Thankfully, we are all relatively healthy and able to do activities at at will. And five, having a home, a safe place to stay and sleep. Okay, and then this looks like... Um, okay, so, let me see here. Your response. Tangents welcome anytime, especially since we are working through this journey. As I read more about your story and about the things you are thankful for, I want to pause and ask you another question. Do you know what your needs are? I see a rough sketch of at least one coming through as we talk further. Can you identify what your top four or five needs are, or you can rank these needs in order yourself? I'll ask you... Also to rank then for your wife from your perspective, and maybe we can get her to rank them for herself at some point. This is not my normal path to help get guys on the road, so bear with me as we work through this, learning about your story and taking it step by step. Lately, you've likely not gotten to some of the episodes that talk about standing outside the frame of your story. I will read our email, keeping you anonymous, give you the opportunity to hear your story from a different perspective, and then Jeannie and I will have an open discussion about it in the real time to give you points of view, been very helpful for others. Let me know if you're interested in that option. Thank you again for reaching out. I sure appreciate your heart and desire to rise. Sorry, I blanked out for a second there. Okay, um, his response. First off, I just got to say thanks again for what you do. This is just so awesome. I will say if you didn't provide the success list, <clears throat> I would be lost with that many needs. I do know for sure my top need is connection and acceptance. Two would be esteem, identity, significance. Three would be understanding. Four would be safety and security. The other items are a bit confusing for me, so maybe I'm not giving them the importance they deserve. I think my wife's would be five, two, six, three, one, four, seven, based on the numbers below. I am currently up to episode 41 now, but I'd be totally open to having you guys do an episode on me. That would be wild. Okay, so... Um, I'm trying to open this part up and it's not giving me all of the, so the, um, the list, just so everybody can follow the numbers says one safety, security, and survival two understanding three connection, love and acceptance four contribution and participation five esteem, identity, significance, six self-determination, autonomy, freedom and justice and seven self-actualization and self-transcendence. That's a new one to me. I haven't seen that before. Yeah. Okay. So as you as you read through it, you take some time to think about it. I've I've been, you know, obviously taking time to think about it as well. There are a few things that stand out to me. I would ask you to talk first um to see what stands out to you and then we can discuss it because to me after going through all this for so long, I see some some flashing lights that 
speak to me about what I think it is. What are your thoughts? A um, couple things. One, um, how they came to the decision to have a child. That That's going to be a big one. Because if he just conceded and said, yeah, okay, well, let's have a kid, she might not have felt like he was fully on board, even though he was once the child was born. Um, if If I felt like something that we were doing together – was an obligation to you and not a want, I would have a hard time going through with it. And if we did go through with it, I would be very insecure with how things would go from that point on. I would be very worried. Um, hmm. we, we've had that before where you were losing weight and we were both on board with you losing weight and getting healthy. What I didn't expect was my reaction to how other women would respond to you losing weight and transforming and changing. And it made me very, very insecure from the get-go. Um, we, we were both on the same page for why we wanted it. But I just, I, I had a very different response once things were actually in motion. I started having a different emotion about it. Um, the other thing would be what happened after the baby was born because you don't just stop wanting to have sex with somebody was there a complication with the birth was there something it, there there's something that that's hitting me that says something happened that shifted in in both parties i mean is there any intimacy anymore are they connecting at all physically are they connecting at all with quality time um those are, are things that I would investigate because generally how it works. Now, Rita and I, we jokingly did a how to get laid episode, which he's probably come across or he's about to come across. No, it was episode six. So, so he um, knows it. that was one of the big things was I, in order to get a physical intimate response from me, I needed my quality time connection. I had to have, and that was just spending time together talking about things that were not, um, were not topical, like not surface conversations, but like really talking about where we were or how we felt or things that we wanted to do, um, you know, helping each other kind of find we call it going to the clouds. So we would go to the clouds and we would imagine these things that we really want. And if money wasn't an object or if we didn't have all these obstacles in our way, what would we do? Where would we go? What would it look like? And then we would narrow it down to, okay, what in that is possible? Those conversations open me up to how much I matter, um, how much you cared. And it just kind of brought us back to a connection that then – made the physical more of a want for me mm -hmm. and more of a um, an intentional thing rather than just, okay, well, let's have our 10-minute connection and move on about our life. Mm -hmm. The other thing is um, I, I get that the boy is eight now and there's a shift. We, we've gone through that. Mm -hmm. I was Mo's favorite in the beginning because she stayed home with me. I took care of her. I was mom. Mo is our youngest and at the time was spunky and wore mismatched clothes. She was Punky Brewster on steroids when she was a little bitty. But she was also 
um, very lively, like loved people, loved hanging out, loved all kinds of stuff. I took her everywhere with me. It was just a, a very bright little girl. Not saying she isn't now, but she is very, very, very much conservative now. Um, but she got to, I want to say somewhere around 10 ish. Like she started kind of drawing away from me and more towards you, the more you were home and the more, um, she got to see you doing things. She just started becoming interested in spending time with dad. And that shifted. I mean, even now to this day, Mo is your buddy. Like that, that is your shadow. That is, we have seven girls, one boy. He loves all of them very much. There is no difference in how much he loves him, loves them, but there is a very different connection between you and Mo and you and the others. And that's because Mo initiated that desire to be with you, to spend time with you, to learn what you're doing. She wants to know everything, dad. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. It was hard for me because she shifted from me and now you are the go-to for everything. And it was just, it, it was hard at first, but I have other kids to come to me for different things. <clears throat> Having an only child, I would think that that would make me kind of, I don't know if it would be resentment or if it would just be um, insecure. Like, what do you have that I don't? Why, why are they more drawn to you than they are to me? But it's also the age that the child is in and yeah. who's, who's more present in, in the times and, and in the moments. Like, do you work and mom is more go to the school functions and hands on with and, you know, more involved or is it, the opposite. I don't know those dynamics, so I can't really give an insight yeah. to that. But for us, it's like now Mo is 16 and you don't work near home all the time. So on the days that you're gone, she's more drawn to me and we do things together. We, we have certain things that we do that are just us like puzzles. And, um, we like to do games. She loves to do word games with me. Um, she loves to write stories, which is something that I do. Those things we kind of build on. But when dad's home, her gear shifts to dad. And she wants to go to the gym and listen to podcasts and learn about what you're learning and talk politics. I am not a politics person. That is all dad. You can have it. <laughs> but it, it depends on where your son is. Is there something, a sport, a music interest um, is there something that they can connect on is what I would be looking at mm -hmm. as a way to maybe slowly kind of pick that up. The other question is, does, has your son ever heard in an argument or otherwise that in the beginning he was not wanted by dad, that originally dad didn't want kids and then changed his mind when his son got here that as much as we hate to think that that can play a part on how a child feels too yeah and i don't i don't read in there that there was i don't want kids it just wasn't a priority based on what i read yeah. it, it wasn't a priority but and I'm, I'm just saying how how i'm not saying he didn't want it what i'm saying is sometimes in a conversation you and i will have an argument and one of the kids will overhear something and they take it how it was said yeah not necessarily 
you know, you and I have a different understanding of how we speak to each other. So we understand what the other one is talking about. The kids don't necessarily get that sometimes. Yeah, there's a, they're missing a... And a, he's, he's eight or nine. So, I mean, that's a... They're missing a lot of valuable context. Yeah. So, and yeah. let me, let me, I usually always do this and I didn't, didn't do this before. I believe that this Jack knows our heart. Everything here is coming from a foundation of, of love and a desire to help. So we could be flat wrong about some things. We could make some assumptions that may be off base. It's definitely not because we're going to come down on you or we're coming down on you or we're being critical of your situation. We're just kind of talking through it in an open conversation. So we're working through it together. Well, and there's remember on our side, I only have what's in the email. Right. I don't have the full context. Um, and we're not even through all of the emails yet. Right. So I'm just I'm just kind of going off. If this was the first time that you guys had talked, and this is the this is the first time I'm seeing it, this is what I would take out of it and questions that I would have. Um, Rita used to take what what we were dealing with and pick questions. Correct. And that's kind of how I try to approach it. What you know to try and figure out was there something. Like for us, it was, I made a promise and I broke it. So before we even started, we had broken trust because I said I would move to Alabama. We got married and then it was, no, you know what? I'm not going. This is not, this is not happening. And that was a big um, resentment issue between us because Quincy and I had been talking about this for over a year, that this is what we were going to do. And then when it came time, it was just like, no. I can't, I'm, I'm not leaving my family. I can't do that. I'm sorry. It's just not my thing. And, um, it, we didn't realize that that was the first brick, so to speak, that was taken out of the foundation that we had built. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's kind of what I'm looking at is where, where did this come from? The other thing I'm noticing, and I can, I can actually speak to this because I come from this, um, you wanted to be in a relationship where you were loved and accepted and um, get away from the family expectations or the negative side of maybe what you thought you had to be or um, maybe you thought you were headed towards and this person gives you that. That's all well and good and you can cling to that person and they will fill you for a while. The problem comes like it is now where it's not that they don't meet that need, but it's not being met in the way that you think it should be or it, it, maybe it's not in the way that you expect it to be. And now you're realizing that it's you who's falling short because you never accepted and loved yourself enough to say, God forbid if you ever had to live without this person, could you do it? Could you love yourself enough and be strong enough in who you are and proud enough in who you are to continue on and not rely on that person to be your source of happiness or content or contentment or success or whatever it is? That's a hard place. That's a really hard place. But you have to look at that because as much as is we meet each other's needs as a married couple. At some point, we're not going to have each other. One of us is going to pass before the other. Okay. So do I have enough in me to keep going 
and continue being the person that I am and the person that I know you would be proud of, or am I just going to succumb and just survive it? That's a hard spot. It's a really hard spot. And it's not an easy one to navigate through. I still deal with it. So don't think it's perfect. It's not. By any means, it's not. But I do have days where I have to remind myself, I can do this without you and it's okay. And I can, I can be happy about something that maybe isn't involved with you. Mm-hmm. But it took me a while to get there because I was so used to... Um, my my family, as much as we are close now, we weren't in the beginning. And um, growing up, it was a lot of contention and a lot of resentment. My sister and I did not get along until we were adults and had our own kids. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things I saw growing up in my parents' marriage that made me want a marriage that was better but scared me that I would never have anything better because this is what I knew. This is what I saw. So I didn't know if there could be better. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I might, now I had friends whose parents I, I hung out with and their parents were divorced. I had some friends, their parents were just wicked to each other mm-hmm. and they didn't care who saw it. And I had one, one family that their parents were very loving, very accepting, just really close and I was like are they real is this like a show is this like your church face like what is this because it didn't make sense but I think um you know even if you ever go back I don't remember if Rita gave her testimony on her marriage and how she got to the point of coaching but to know that the people usually I won't say everybody, but usually the people who are putting this stuff out there and trying to coach and help others, it's because we've been through the hell already at some degree. Yeah. And we figured out how to get through it. And now it's about helping others see that it it might look really crappy right now, but you got to trudge through it. And that, that I promise you there's something better on the other side, but you have to be willing to look at you and not just the people around you. I could blame our circumstances 100%. I could blame everything we've ever gone through and how our marriage fell to crap at 10 years on everything we went through. The kids, the pregnancy, the sickness, the hospital bills, almost losing the house, all of those things. I could blame every circumstance and just say, this is what it is. And this is where we're at. Or like we chose to do, this is too much and it's not what we signed up for. So we have to get somebody else to help us clear the path and figure out what's important, what stays, and then shovel some of this shit to the side because we had so many things involved that were not necessarily ours. Mm-hmm. And what I mean is my parents' history, I brought it into our marriage. Your parents' history, we brought that into our marriage. Your upbringing and expectation, we brought into our marriage. My upbringing and expectation, we brought into the marriage. Problem was, we never sat down to say, what do you expect? What do I expect? What does this look like? Mm -hmm. And what is your part in it? What is my part in it? 
and then look at our parents and the people around us and say, these are the things I don't want to deal with. So how do we make sure we never deal with this? And these are the things that I'd like a little bit more of. I mean, I, your grandparents looking from the outside in to meet Betty. If you were not on the inner circle to meet Betty was a shock to the system, (laughs) but watching how Wayne and Betty were together. That's what I wanted. That was the biggest trip to see an older man still call his wife baby doll. Now he gave her shit. Oh, he talked smack like nobody's business. And it was great because they could banter, but he always came back very sweet and she was always number one. If, if anything was going on, it didn't matter. It was whatever made her happy. And if he didn't work or it was wrong, he'd tell her. But he wasn't harsh about it, at least not in front of anybody. I don't, I don't know what it was behind closed doors. But you could tell even after she was gone, Betty was everything to that man. Mm-hmm. Everything. And when you see how he was with his daughters, it just transcended. Those are the things that I think are important. So when you're looking at your how, your what, and your why, okay, I'm going to start with your son, not your wife, your son. Because there's a connection there. How you treat our kids plays a huge part on how I view you. Because you could be sweet to me and be an asshole to kids. You're talking to me right now. I'm talking to you right now. Okay. If... If you were very affectionate with me and showed very little affection to the girls, I would struggle with that because that image is not that that shows that when they get married, they're going to be priority, but their kids aren't going to mean anything. And it may not be true in their marriage, but that's what they would see. But having you have those moments with the girls where you pull a chair out. You give them your jacket when it's cold. Um, you cuddle with them on the couch. I mean, she'll be 18 in like three weeks, four weeks. And she still crawls up in the chair and lays in your lap and cuddles with you with a blanket, even if she only gets 20 minutes. Joe needs that time. She's going to come claim her time. Those are the things that, for me, you show me the same level of care. And that's important. So I'm going to say... For the first, how, what, and why, what do you love about your son? What is it when he was born, what shifted? Because originally you weren't sure if kids were a priority. But when your son showed up, he was a priority. Why? What was it that shifted? Was it now I have another person to care for and, oh, shit, I have a new responsibility, so I have to do the job, I have to do this, I have to do that? Or was it... Um, you know, did you look down at this person and realize I, I could be an influence to this person? I'm going to help make him be a good man. I'm going to help him be better for the world. I'm going to help raise him to treat his wife right. What, what are your priorities when you saw him? What did you feel? And then how did you respond to that? Because I guarantee you she was watching. The second thing would be what happened after he was born between you and your wife. Now, for me, 
we had a lot of intimacy issues because I was not happy with what I looked like. I was not happy with how my body was responding to things. And I was freaking tired. If we were lucky to get 10 minutes, I was happy because 10 minutes was about all I had in me. And I wasn't, it wasn't Quincy's fault, but I didn't feel like I was important because in that moment or in that time of our life, I was just mom. Like every freaking minute of my day, I was mom. I wasn't wife. I was mom. I had to feed somebody. I had to pump milk for somebody. I had to change somebody's butt. I had to run somebody's laundry. I had to clean up the house. Not that these are bad things, but this is what would go through my head because when there's no connection with us, it's almost like you feel not neglected, but like taken for granted, like not appreciated that you're doing these things. Now, I, granted, on the, on the flip side, Quincy will tell you his side of things. He didn't feel appreciated. He was out working. He was trying to bust his ass to make money and to make things work, and I wasn't... I wasn't giving the words of affirmation to say, I appreciate you. I, I'm very grateful for everything that you do for this house and for providing our home. And I know it's not easy to provide for three babies and a toddler and put up with my bullshit all at the same time. But we never did those things. So we didn't know. Mm-hmm. We didn't. It wasn't first nature to us to say, I need to tell you I'm thankful for this or I need to tell you. I see what you're doing and I appreciate it. Or I need to tell you, I know you're tired. Let me help. We, we just didn't think about those things. We went into our roles and we stayed in our lane and we never crossed the two until Rita was like, eh, what are you doing? Well, we didn't know it was a thing. So you just do what you see as you grow up. Yeah. Mom and, had one role. Dad had one role. And I don't think there's anything bad with the quote roles and relationships, but not, not, two marriages are the same so mm-hmm. and the two people in the relationship have different capacities and what they can handle and that was another thing that we learned and so I, w- I wanted you to go first because what we don't have a deep perspective on is his wife's perspective so I, w- I wanted I'll give you a chance to keep going here in a second and I'm I just want to as long as this takes it takes mm-hmm. and I want to I want to put it out there but there's uh, I lost my point. Go ahead. Keep going. Okay. So there's one other thing. And if I chap your ass, I'm really sorry. But I, this is something that needs to be considered. Are you jealous of your son? Your wife's attention went to the new boy. And everything that you guys did revolved around him. So the person who once made you feel loved, accepted, and gave you everything all her time or attention, everything was good, now shifted to your son. Is it possible that you're harboring jealousy towards your son because he's getting all of the attention? And now that he has shifted gears from wanting to be daddy's buddy, so to say, to needing mom a little more, leaning towards mom a little more, is that jealousy maybe kind of kicking up? So the... Let me let me interject because it may not be jealousy. It could be disappointment. Yeah. Because having your wife's affection in the beginning and his like his need is connection and, and affection and acceptance. 
it shifted and then his his son is born and his son is daddy first and now he's looking at another relationship kind of like you're alluding to that is shifting and keep in mind it, there's a season like Jeannie yeah. talked about there are seasons for everything but it could be disappointment because you have the connection you have the intimacy you have you feel wanted and loved and then post baby born Okay, it's not happening with your wife, but you are getting that tank, that love tank filled a little bit By because baby. Yeah. because your son is doing it. Now, you know, it's a different kind of love and affection, but still it is a source and it's coming in. And so now that he started to kind of shift his attention towards mom because he might need mom for a particular reason right now in this season, it's like, well, here is a get. Why don't I matter? How co- what has happened here? I'm not getting the connection. Mm-hmm. I'm still doing, I'm doing these things, these day-to-days, but it feels pointless because my emotional connection, the acceptance, it's not there. So it f- it'll feel like it doesn't matter. It'll feel like you won't matter, even though you are doing wonderful things that deserve value go ahead and finish up and then i'll get into my well the other side of that is i'm i'm wondering what does his wife do is she an at-home mom does she work um does she have friends is she connected to anybody other than them you know her husband and her son because a lot of times and i'm guilty of this i don't have a whole lot of friends where we currently live But I do have a lot of people online that I talk to that are other authors or people who have similar interests. We talk sports. Um, My friends in California, that's how I communicate. My parents, my sister, we're always on the phone. So maybe she's not getting her connection either or her emotional tank filled because what, what do you guys have? Do you have friends? Do you have people that you're with? I mean, you pulled away... Jack pulled away from his family, and I understand why. But what else did you fill that gap with? Because if it's just your wife, where else do you go? Well, I hear he's telling us he has work and he has a gym routine, which are two very positive things. And so the the truth is, is that we don't we don't know about his wife's experience, and that that to me is somewhere. That's a plus because I asked the question somewhere in that email chain. After after your son was born, did y'all huddle up and say, okay, well, how are you? What needs are you having? Guys aren't always, and, and I'm not looking to, get, to go beta male. You know what I'm saying? But we do have emotions and needs that need to be met. And so I'm looking at it going, and I asked the question if there was, if the, if, does he feel like there's any concern of guilt in his wife's life for pulling him away from his family? And the only reason I asked that is because I don't know the dynamics that were behind or what y'all's relationship was. Like you, Jack, with your family home unit, your mom and dad, siblings if you have any. And so you pull... You pulled, and and you're telling me that your needs, and that's why I had you go to the love language too, because um, you're telling me like on that list of needs, those seven basic human needs, that connection, 
and acceptance is what you need. I don't know that you had that at home. So there might be part of you that's that's living in the past and sees this. There could be some version of a repeat going on here. I'm not I'm I'm trying to make sense of this. Uh not your situation, but my words. Um it could seem like it's a familiar situation with you being loved and accepted by your wife and then her affection turning somewhere else. So now you no longer feel a connection um, or accepted. And then your son fulfilling that particular need for a while. And then he's kind of turning his attention more towards mom at this time. And so now it's, it, it feels familiar. Like, who do you have now? And I'll tell you, there's an episode that uh, Rita helped us on. We did as far as the love tank goes. And you want to fill your love tank. Those are those are your connections. For Jeannie, I had to understand what her needs were so that I could participate in meeting those needs. And she had to do the same for me. But And the reason I ask is, do you know what your needs are and have you look at them and then do... Uh, the the love language um, test to see is because I want you to take inventory for what it is that you have, what are you missing? And then you take it and you look at it and you say, okay, well, if this is what I need and it's missing and I want it, well, what does that look like? So you you can't, it's hard to understand the what, the why, and the how, if you don't know what you have. You have to find a place to sit and to know, okay, here's what I have, but here's what I want. And so you look forward at what you want, and then you figure out the other parts, which is the why and the how, and and it's how to get there. Matter of fact, I was just having this discussion with a colleague of mine at work about a different situation. So I look at it and say, you got married, you were completely taken by her, her beauty, the connection, y'all's uh, sex life, the intimacy that you shared with one another, and that was satisfy. That was satisfying your needs for about ten years. You guys got married, and then you decided it was time to have a baby. You had a baby, and then that your relationship with your wife changed. And that's not abnormal. That happens. Mm-hmm. Because now she's got to, she has to understand that her, that she as a mother has changed and you have a, as a father has changed. And so I didn't understand the idea that I needed to know what, what Jeannie's, you know, primary needs were so that I could participate in meeting those needs. And when I participate in meeting those needs, then her love tank gets full. We're keeping it full. And then she feels like she is loved and she's cared for and she's connected and it helps add to her as a human being. And then I needed to realize that I had needs. Well, Jeannie's needs, like the the three primary things at the time that I saw that that she needed uh, back in the day was to feel like she was a priority because there was so much going on that she would put herself last and she's like, well, who's thinking of me? I, am I a priority? And then she wants to feel like she matters. 
okay? And then she needs safety and security. She needs to know that her and her family, her children, have something. So I look at that and I go, okay, well, what purposeful actions can I take so that those needs, those individual tanks can be filled? So I, what I started to do, um, obviously, you know, we used Gary Chapman's love language to say, okay, well, quality time is one way that I can make her feel like a priority and like she matters. So that's date night. Now, I did it my own way first, just taking her to the movies because I was working and talking to adults all day. So it was almost like the last thing I wanted to do, I thought, was to go and talk more. But I didn't realize what and how and she wanted and what did that look like. So we were doing a check-in one time, and it's like, well, how do you like these date nights? And she's like, well, I mean, they're, they're okay, but we're not talking. And it's like, oh, crap. And so we kind of got into it, and it's like, well, I just want to sit in front of you at a restaurant or somewhere so that we can talk and you hear what I have to say. Like what, like me as a person and what's going on in my life, like it matters. And so it's another one of those indications of the things that she needs. And then that she was safe and, and she was secure. Well, if we're out in public, she has problems with crowds. I didn't know I did this, but I would kind of escort her around and make sure that she was safe wherever we go. And then I needed to be present. I was out coaching football and doing all kinds of things. And my family, my, me making them a priority was out trying to find a way to make more money. And all that did was make them feel like they were not a priority. So I had the right heart, but I had the wrong method. What they really needed more than my money at that time was was me. Well, when you were coaching, it was kind of like you were pouring out yourself into these boys and into these players and trying to help them, you know, grow into good, strong, vibrant young men who had a good head on their shoulders and knew how to treat people and they were going to be a good um, addition to society. When for us, we needed that poured into us not other people's kids so it was that that was you had the right plan the right idea you were doing the right thing you were just giving it to the wrong group of people at the time well the people that got it definitely needed it I there's something that I could have done better it's just balance to, to support both worlds but I had to I had to walk away and I had to invest my time and truly there was no disappointment I can coach football anytime I can go be a pastor anytime. Those are two things I thought I had to be to have meaning in my life, but it was not it. It was me becoming famous in my own family through being an intentional man, an intentional husband, an intentional father. So another way that I made my wife feel like a priority, and I made it a game with the kids. When I came home, the kids used to. They don't do it anymore. The dog, Thank God for the dogs that I complain about all the time. Because they rush to the door and scream because I'm home. But the kids used to bum rush me when I would show <laughs> up. And like you, Jack, I loved it. It made me feel like a freaking rock star. And so I would walk in, and they would bum rush me, and I would say, nope, nobody gets the first hug but mom. Nobody gets the first kiss. And I would come meet her where she is. With kids climbing and hanging off his arm. Yes, and I would, <laughs> I would take that, and I would make that 
I would put I would make the safest place for her in my arms and I would come home and still to this day she gets the first hug and the first kiss and I still have teenage and young adults mm-hmm. competing to sucker me in when I'm not paying attention to giving me a hug and my 16 year old or one of my 17 year olds they will hug me against my will <laughs> to steal that but it's something that I did Quincy Moran you see I did I took ownership I did the purposeful thing I I lived on purpose for this purpose and it was what I'm adding to now Jeannie talked about this and I've I've said this to you later in an email Jack are you okay with you are you all right with you are you good with who you are I didn't say it this way in the email but that's something you have got to look in the mirror and say hey man how are you with you? Do you see yourself as a valuable, thriving part of these other two people's life? Do you see yourself as someone acceptable? Do you have that internal connection? I'm not telling you to be selfish, but are you all right with you is what I need to know, bro. Because there has to be a healthy baseline. It, it, it is like every time you get on an airplane... And the stewardess says, if the cabin pressure drops, a mask is going to fall from the ceiling. Don't help your kids and anybody else first. Put the mask on you so that you know you're healthy and you can help those around you. And that's what this is. I was an unhealthy man. Mentally, emotionally, and physically at the same time. So I had to redefine who I wanted to be as a man, I had to define, I had to look and say, I was listening to the Jay Ferrugia podcast and he said, I did this uh, experience the other day and it really meant a lot to me. And it's called the funeral experience where you kind of fast forward to the future. You think about the people you love and you care about. They're standing around. They're all talking about you as you're laying there. And what is it you want those people to say? What impression do you want to make on the, on their lives? What impact do you want the living of your life to make on them? And it's X, Y, and Z. And then you come back to the present day and you say, am I living my life in a way that points me in those words that I want said about me? And I was not. So I had to say, you know what? I need to fundamentally change my personal philosophy in my life. I need to be the gatekeeper of my attitude, my actions, and my effort in this life. I need to start to turn things around. This is the kind of husband. This is the kind of father I want to be. This is the kind of man I want to be. This is the kind of friend, professional, etc. And I started to evolve. I filled my head full of people who were ahead of me in the process. And I had them speak to me about what the journey looks like. This is exactly what you're doing, Jack, right now. It's like, You have something or are doing something. You're ahead of me in this journey. Help me get to where you are. And God willing, when you get to where I am, I will still be walking forward on the path so that we can work together to to bring you along. And so I look at this and I go, that's why I started. I don't normally start this way, but something in me was like, I wonder if Jack knows what his needs are because if he doesn't if he's been living outwardly focused and not 
And I, and I don't say that's a bad thing, but you need to know what you need. Well, sometimes you, when you, from what he's saying, um, I understand I've been there. You're, you're kind of just floating through life. It, you're in survival mode. You're just getting from day one to day two and so on and so forth because you don't really feel a drive or anything that motivates you that there's more. And once you figure out what your needs are and what's missing, then you suddenly have the drive because now you understand I need these things to motivate me. I need these things to feel like I'm important enough or I'm loved enough or what whatever it is. For me, I needed quality time to know that I was a priority. Why do I need to feel like I'm a priority? Because in a mom's world with eight kids, I don't take care of myself. I don't see myself as priority. I see one through eight. And then I see Quincy. I don't see me. I needed someone to see me. But in order for me to be seen... I had to say something. I had to put myself out there to say, this is, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I need. And then the hardest part of all, now you have to accept it. It's really weird when you are used to not mattering to all of a sudden you matter and someone cares. And it's not that they didn't care in the beginning. It just wasn't how you needed them to care. And now that it's there, you're going... This is really cool, but in the back of your mind, you're like, hey, how long is this going to last? That's where you have to learn to fill for yourself. Yeah, and that and, and that's the thing. Is and if I hope this is not confusing, but there's only so much that we as a partner can fill the tank. Exactly. Because once it gets so full, then you know your your spouse might need to find where the holes in the tank are for themselves, and the holes are what's gone on in the past. Jeannie and I went through an experience where. You know, Coach Rita had to say, hey, Quincy's not your dad. She's like, Jeannie, Quincy is not your dad. So stop treating him like he is. And that was a big wow moment for both of us. I mean, for me, I'll, t- I'll let you could say whatever. But I wasn't, uh, I was coming to her and saying in these counseling sessions, you know, if something makes sense to me, then I'm just turning the page. It's like, okay, well, this makes sense. I'm good. Let's go. It's good. I got it. Let's move on. But for some reason, she was holding me. She was holding it back like that's not possible. But that's actually the way that I'm wired. She didn't see that from her dad. Maybe things would change, and then the past would come back up, and the arguments would spark, and things would get ugly. But for me, when I'm legitimately saying, well, crap, that makes sense. I'm good. Let's go. That's that is me. It doesn't mean I don't, you know, I don't harbor resentment and things. And when I discover that, I try to get it. I try to get it handled. Um, but I can see, like, just from the outside looking in, with the limited perspective I have, it seems as if it would point to my needs are not being met. I have some resentment because I have an expectation. And this is not a bad expectation. I have an expectation for my needs to be met. These are the two most special people in my life, in my world. And, and the relationship has changed. And I promise you it's not a bad thing because you can be more intentional 
about your relationship. And I've got some pointers to look at. But how did, the, how did having your son affect you? How did having your son affect your wife? And then, you know, just asking, and it's, I, I'm nervous to say this, but if y'all are not connecting physically like you were before your son was born, is there any concern if she's initiating now if she was to get pregnant again, I don't even know if it's possible for her to get pregnant again or if, you know, all that has been, you know, if those parts have been, sh- the factory's been shut off on either side. But, you know, is there any concern that if she gets pregnant again, there might be, it might be a, a negative to you, Jack? And like I say, I don't know if that's the case. But if you guys haven't talked about, you know, if you haven't had a discussion with one another like, hey, you know, what is, what do you, how do you feel since our son's been born? How, how did it affect you in a positive? Were there any negatives? And then you put yourself out there and say, well, for me, this was my idea. But actually after it happened, this is one of the best things of my entire life. And I thank you for being the mother to my child. It's it's incredibly important to me that, you know, what we have and what we're doing. And I appreciate that. Um, when you left your family, is there any worry about her pulling you away from your family? Does she feel any guilt there? I know you said you don't think so. And it's maybe it's likely that it ha- that there is none. But you just don't know what's going on in the other person's head. You don't know the silent conversations and how, and, and, and I don't know what was going on at your home, but are you concerned that you're going to repeat what your family did for you, for your son? So are you kind of using that to, to pull back? Because I'll tell you this, even though your son is more with mom right now, he's watching you. So if you needed, at the baseline, if you needed to know what your purpose is, you are a role model for this young man. You are a vital part of him growing up to see what it looks like to be a good, loving man, a good, loving husband, a good, loving father. And the routine of what you do has such tremendous value. There is a deep-rooted purpose in that. And for you, the routine might seem mundane. You may feel unappreciated, like you're not, you're not getting the appreciation you need. And I, like I said, that someday Jeannie and I are going to do a, a show that talks about the telephone. because, And I might have some, some pain from the past, but when she would start to slip into her depression type stuff she would get into the phone and the rest of the world it was like it just did not exist she was going there to get away from this world and that's not what I want for us in our life and so I wonder what can you do with intention you know reading um, reading back to what you were talking about with you know it was physical touch and quality time those are are you is your tank full from those two 
love languages? Is your wife sewing? Is she pouring into those tanks? Are you getting the physical touch that you need? Even your son, are you getting those hugs, that embrace, um, those secret handshakes that I used to, you know, make with my kids? They were awesome. We still do them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the quality time, are you getting quality time with your wife? It sounds like she spends a lot of time in the computer. I don't know if that's for work. It sounds like she spends a lot of time on her phone. And I'll tell you, flat out in front of my wife, sitting in a room with people that have their nose in their telephone drives me freaking mad. Be present in the moment. I have to do, like I have to get on my phone for work. Now, if we're all sitting around and we're playing games on the phone or we're looking up Christmas presents or something like that, Freaking great. Let's get on there. Let's find out if I need to fact check you or you need to fact check me. Go to Google. Of course, Google now changes their facts. Dictionaries change their de- their definitions. I know. Anyway, um, there's a time and a place, but being present in the moment and sitting together and watching TV or sharing a drink or something like that are your needs being met because from what I read, that's the disconnect. And if that is off... It can overshadow the great things you're doing in your relationship as a husband and as a parent and make them feel like they're mundane and they're not making a difference when every single day they are. Yes, they are. So you talked about what is your routine when you get home? Is your wife out working or is she is she there? What are her love languages? And we'd have to go back. Jeannie and I need to go back and look at how she you assessed her needs compared to how she assessed her needs. I think you both had the second slot right. But if you're not actively asking, hey, how are you? Help me locate you. What are your needs? Because at what what was it? My my first I know this episode's going long, so I apologize, but at first mine was Words of affirmation and physical touch. I think that's mm-hmm. where my love languages were. When I went through surgery, those dudes changed. I needed acts of service and quality time. And I didn't realize that until I was like, I'm taking this test again. I want to see if anything's different. That's what I need. Those were the needs I had the most at the time because I couldn't help myself. Yeah, your basic love need, your your basic love language doesn't change, but it does shift in seasons where um you need something a little bit more than you normally would because that was a real hard one for you to, um, yours changed too. Yeah. Mine changed a lot. Um, it, we, we bounce back and forth. I mean, they generally come back to the original two most of the time, but seasons in life change what we need. You know, it just depends on what you're going through and where you're at. But if you're not talking to your spouse to say, look, I feel like something's off between us and I'm, I'm struggling to figure out what's going on and where we've missed it or, you know, and, I, and at the same time, I'm going through something myself and I'm trying to kind of figure out why I feel this way. You, you're not helping anybody because you're going through it by yourself. Well, then, you don't know what you don't know. Well, and, that's, and that, that's the thing, though, is if you're going through it by yourself, though, and you're leaving your spouse out in the dark, chances are what you're deflecting or what your responses are or the things that you're saying or how you're reacting to situations. I, I, I do this. 
If I don't know that you've had a shitty day at work and you come home and you're in one of those moods, I will start, okay, what did we talk about? What was the conver- the last conversation we had? What was the last text? Is there anything that I need to be looking at to say, did I, did I cause this? Because it's rare that you come home and you're not in a good mood to see everybody. Yeah. Usually, even if he has a bad day, if he comes to the front door, once everybody hugs and kisses him, it's like, give me a minute to shuck this off, but this is where I want to be and your attention shifts. But if it doesn't, I'm in my head. Yeah. If I come home and something's different about me, Jeannie automatically takes it and says, oh, crap, what did I do? And a lot of times that's, and if I'm wrong, push back, but a lot of times I've done that in the past as well. When if she, if there's something cold about her or standoffish, I'm like, great, what the heck did I do? Why are you treating me this way? And there was one night that I'll, I'll go back to where we were sitting on the couch. I think, I think we had had some grumblings that day and maybe a couple days before. And we were sitting on the couch and she didn't, she didn't get up to kiss me. She didn't say hello. And I'm like, oh, this is weird, man. Something must be going on. And I'm like, and finally I was sitting on the couch. And I was like, you know what? Instead of sitting here and making this story up as I go along, I said, that's what I said. I was like, hey, you seem off. Are, are things good? And she was like, no, my garden, you know. I was pissed at the garden. I was pissed at the kids. Things didn't get done that I said needed to be done. And I was kind of in a, in a foul mood. And it was, it had, it was nothing or very, very little to do with me. And it was much more about she was just consumed in the moment and frustrated about the garden and about why things weren't growing and what animals were attacking her crop. I and was actually more concerned because it, it's a financial thing, but it, it wasn't something that needed that much attention. But for whatever reason, that night it got that much attention. from. Well, me, money's so. a contention with us from time to time. So, you know, she had a lot going on, but there was nothing that I had done. And had I not asked the question... I would have sent that, sat there, just my personality. I would have sat there and was like, oh, great. What did I do? We're not, we must have, we have blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know what? I'm done with that. I'm done with those. I'm going to make this thing up. I'm just going to ask questions and, and see. And not in an accusatory way, but just like checking in. Hey, because there was a time in our life where Jeannie couldn't ask me if I was okay. <laughs> and it, I mean, it went down in a the movie theater. She's like, are you okay? And I just told her, I said, I will always be okay, and you never have to ask me that ever again in your life. And I sat there and going, ooh, if you yeah. were okay, would, what's the problem with asking you if you're okay? And then you go back and you look in your past, and it's like, well, divorced parents, blah, 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 psychoanalyze. It's like, hey, it's actually, it's actually an okay thing to be vulnerable and say, you know, I'm not okay. And here's what I'm frustrated about. Well, now we have a different method, too. It's like if, if you're frustrated and I can see it, I'll just ask. It's like, mm, you seem a little off. What's going on? Is it, you know, how can I help? And that usually kind of diffuses a little bit. Sometimes. Or, or, well, if it is me and it is something between us, he'll just tell me, well, I'm kind of frustrated with you right now, so I'm, I'm trying to work it out. And it's like, okay. Then I, I know to step back a minute because – Clearly, you're not ready to discuss it, but there, it's just a learned thing. But if you're if you're going through these things that you're talking about with Quincy and you're not discussing it with her, I would prod you, please have a conversation and let her know this is how I feel. This is where I'm at. I'm talking to Quincy. I'm, I'm trying to get a little outside insight so that it doesn't further whatever that wedge is by her feeling like she's doing something or she's getting the reaction to something 
it just helps. It really does. Well, and if and in my experience with my wife, I've only ever had one wife, only want, ever want one wife. In my oh, experience, good. when she is keeping herself intentionally distracted, something is off in her. And there are times where she will push back on me, maybe even lash out at me when I'm asking her something no. or saying or saying that I see a situation. Um and then she just needs to go stew on it and i'm 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 just bringing the light as a reflection because i'm a, i i am an observer of genie well it's also that in a way you're kind of just letting me know that i'm not going through it by myself you definitely see that something's going on so it 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 opens that window so to speak to say okay when i'm when i've kind of stewed on it and i figured out what it is i can come to you and say okay this, this is what's going on, or maybe you were right about this, or I, I'm not sure why I'm feeling this way, but this is what's happening. And so, you know, if I'm doing this or I'm behaving this way, please tell me so that I can kind of pull back. Because my, my biggest concern is always I do not want to lash out on the kids for something that is not their fault. I do not want to pour whatever I'm going through out on you or the kids if it can be prevented. So it, it just, it helps to know, even if you don't have all the answers as to why you're feeling the way you're feeling or what you're, you're looking for, at least for me telling Quincy, I, you know what? I don't know what it is. Something's off. I don't know what it is. Bear with me. But I'm letting you know, because if I go too far or if, if, you know, I, I start sinking because I know what my spiral looks like. I don't always see it when it happens, but I know what it looks like. And so it's, it's just kind of putting that out there so that he knows, A, I'm, I'm not mad at you. This is not you. I'm going through something and I'm trying to figure it out. And B, it's so that he can help me so that I don't go into a spiral. If I start heading that direction, he now has my permission to say, okay, wait, stop. We need to talk about something because this is not yeah i see you going down a path that we don't want to go down we've agreed this is not where you where we want to go yeah and this and this has all been pre-discussed it's all we've given each other permission in these areas and that's why i say it's it's now going on 15 years in the making so we're that's where it's at and so i will i'll, I'll reiterate this in a different way you're doing very meaningful stuff you're doing stuff that is incredibly important to life incredibly important to the foundations that you're building for your son. They're very important for your wife. They're very important for your relationship. When your needs are not being met, it dims the light on all the positive things you're doing and it makes them feel meaningless. And you begin, you do them out of routine without maybe understanding how important and how appreciated they are. And when your needs aren't being met or when something is off within you, it changes the view or the perspective. It changes it changes the the it changes the impact that you can perceive that it's making. And once you understand, that's why I, I started with, do you know what you have and do you know what your needs are? 
and what are you thankful for? And so now if you understand your needs, your needs are, your love languages are physical touch and quality time. Are you getting those from your spouse? Are you asking for those? Are you giving her the playbook to say, I need these from you in order to fill my tank? And that's where, you know, having that discussion can come in. And then, you know, I hear that, you know, you work, you come home, you hit the gym, you get your son off the bus, and then it comes to the night routine. Well, how can you take advantage of that time when you get your son off the bus to maybe go for a walk or to do something meaningful and intentional surrounded around that bus routine, much like I do when I come home and make sure that Jeannie gets the first kiss or the first hug. How can you capitalize on that time? Because right now it's just a season. He needs some kind of nurturing from mom. It does not mean that he needs dad any less. He needs you the same. He just might need mom a little bit more right now. And as he's growing, you will be that stability that he sees running through the routine, but with a purpose, with a purpose to be an example to your son and to your family, with a purpose to be an example to other men around you that see the value of being an engaged, loving dad, being an engaged, loving husband. There is a tremendous value in that. And once you and your wife talk about, well, hey, honey, what are your, what are your needs and do you feel like they're being met? There's a couple of episodes that are important, I think, for you both to listen to. And that's, you know, when it talks about communicating and not taking things personal and, and being able to talk about maybe you resent your wife or your son a little bit, as hard as that is to say, because the relationship has changed and your needs aren't being met. It happens. It happened to me. I resented Jeannie for a number of things. And I had to come to terms with that. I had to come to terms that I was frustrated with myself for resenting her. And some of those things were just complete miscommunication or there was no communication. And we learned with each other through the process. So this is where I'm going to button it up for here and then Jeannie and I the next show will kind of go through the rest of the emails and maybe we can hear back from you there are I think there are three or four more emails between us that gets a little bit deeper I hope you have a better understanding of why I'm engaging you on do you know what your needs are because if your needs aren't being met it's going to be very difficult for us to really illustrate or to really pencil out the framework of the what and the why and the how because you're not your tanks aren't full and you need that tank full you need that uh, in the restoration process you your needs need to be being met so that the light is on bright enough for you to see what is in front of you and you can start to game plan is what I'm saying making sense honey yeah okay 
I'm counting on you. I know you were texting over there for a minute with someone, but I'm counting on you mm, to... The kids, they're on their way home. They're just letting me know. I'm just counting on you to say, you're making sense or try that again or whatever. But that that's where... That's why I think this is a, is the place to start. He had an idea of where his wife's, you know, needs are on that seven needs for seven basic human and needs. And she verified that, correct? She gave him the numbers, which we can review offline, and he was right about the second number, mm-hmm. but he was off on the others. And that's... That's kind of telling. That's normal. Yeah, that's kind of telling. So, but then again, she was slightly confused at why it mattered. I think that's kind of the way I read it, which tells me that she might know not know exactly what her needs are and how they need to be met. And if that, if, if we get to that point and we can say, okay, let's get y'all communicating about what your needs are, the light is going to shine bright once you start that connection. You're a different man, Jack, when you are getting the connection you desire. You're the man of steel. When your love tank is full. Because when home is good, your connection is good, physical touch is good. What's going on around you and outside of you, you're nearly bulletproof. Because you're right on the inside. And that is a big deal. Being right on the inside and learning how to manage disappointment, manage expectations, and to grow and develop to make sure that you yourself on the inside are healthy. I don't know what part your past plays in it. Um, I don't know what part your present is affected by your past is what I should really say. But we can work through this together. And I appreciate you being part of the process. I I commend you. I wish I was better, you know, more educated in my ability to articulate, to make a bigger impact, to let you know how much I appreciate it. But it means the world to me that you are reaching out to us And I appreciate the dialogue that we're having. Man to man, you have my respect. Deeply appreciate you. I'm sure there's a lot to take away. I hope you listen to this. It's it's 86 minutes, um, which is a long time, but I want to give the I want to give this the time that it needs because you matter. You matter to us. You matter to your family. And it's important that we work through it together. We're here for you. Anything else, honey? Nope, we're all good. Okay. She is Jeannie Moran. I'm Quincy Moran, a.k.a. The Q-Dog. Reach out to me, Quincy, at mvsmpodcast.com. And this is Man vs. Marriage, the podcast.